You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. The value of a scarecrow isn't that it's typically inexpensive to make. It's not that it helps to keep the crops fresh and free of varmints of all kinds. It's that it becomes the heart-jolting centerpiece of stories like this one, featured inside this episode of Friday the 13th, The Series. Two of our usual three heroes are on the hunt for another artifact, this time a scarecrow that leads them to another backwaters, generally tan-colored town where they find mystery, rotten tomatoes, and death. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, one of your other hosts. Always good to have you here, Nick. This is a very interesting episode, but first, some quick housekeeping. Nick, I had the pleasure of having our podcast reviewed by a podcast Hall of Famer, Dave Jackson, and a 30-year radio vet. His name is Eric Johnson. I had the extreme pleasure of having them review our podcast and then dialoguing with them the things that were awesome, but then the things that also need some polish and work in their opinion. Really? Yeah. I'll be sure to link it up inside the show notes for this episode so that all of you can take just a few minutes to see how we're getting it right, where we could change a little bit and improve, and some other great stuff that I can't wait for all of you to listen to. That's going to be listed inside the show notes, but you can go and listen to it right now if you want by going over to podcastreviewshow.com. Thank you so much to Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson, the podcast coach, and to Eric Johnson, 30-year radio vet. The Podcaster Matrix. Nick, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a wonderful outfit that allows us to have all of our podcasts online for anybody to review anytime that they want. It's the Podcaster Matrix. Oh, the Matrix. It's here. Yeah, they've also just announced some really great promotional services so that those of you that have a podcast, if you're looking to grow your audience so that you can have one as large and as glorious as what we have here inside of the Curious Goods podcast. Yes, 11 and strong. Right. You can also jump into the Podcaster Matrix and let them help you grow your audience for your show. You can find all the details details, the costs, and the where-to-fors over at podcastermatrix.com. Again, we'll link it up in the show notes. 
Nick, we should get into the retelling of this episode, Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow. A shadowy evening. A farmer puts his son to sleep. Outside the farm, lightning flashes across a slicker-clad figure, a woman who has a short conversation with a scarecrow that comes to life. Yes, this scarecrow is out for blood, and it wants Farmer Bill. More, <laughs> more specifically, it wants Farmer Bill's head. This, this scarecrow is clad with a scythe. Knocks on the door and and just goes after Farmer Bill. I, his name's not Farmer Bill, but I'm going to call him Farmer Bill because I don't know Bill. what his name is. Farmer Bill gets his head chopped off, and his son sees it and watches the the slickered figure retrieve his pappy's head and take it outside. Meanwhile, Mickey and Ryan are driving down the road, checking letters as they're driving to another site. This time. It's a scarecrow that has to be found. Ryan's brilliant idea was to send out mailers to try to track down certain objects that were not within the city limits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pretty smart, pretty smart move. Really smart, because it also broadens the landscape with which to make the episodes. Right, yeah, it's it's no longer just the urban feel. Now we're out in the sticks. Correct, and in the sticks is totally apt for this episode. Oh, yes, definitely. Right. Uh, We also learn that Jack is still out searching for objects that are out of the country. So this continues his absence from the previous episode as well. So Mickey and Ryan on their own, out in the middle of nowhere, trying to track down a cursed scarecrow. Yeah. During a break, Mickey and Ryan stop at a local gas station, during which Ryan discovers that Mickey has found a baseball of extreme relevance. It's a touchy subject for Ryan that we don't get into until later in the episode, but he seems very perturbed that Mickey has disturbed this baseball. Mm Mm-hmm. Ryan and Mickey finally get to the farm, during which Mickey needs to use the loo, code words for it's time to snoop. During her snooping, she unlocks a mysterious door. (laughs) What's what's behind door number one, Bob? Oh, you've got a screaming unintelligible man. Thank you for asking. Yes, the, the folks who supposedly bought the scarecrow but lost it in a fire, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, have a son, an adult son, who uh, is touched in the head and is very aggressive towards Mickey. Antisocial. Well, yes, very (laughs) antisocial. After which, the farmer asks them both to leave. I need you to get off my land. Now, of course, they don't. They continue to snoop around. And during their snooping, they are confronted by the mysterious lady from the beginning of the episode named Marge Longacre. Evidently, Marge was married to a farmer in the area, and she owns the only inn in the area. So now Mickey and Ryan have a place to sleep. Right. The owner of the Long Acre Inn, Marge, invites them in, uh, invites them into the center of town to stay, and then walks away. Ms. Innkeeper then visits with the farmer to discuss the visitors that have just been there. Later in the day, at the end, Ryan and Mickey discuss that the farmer's wife was trying to tell them something. But alas, we'll never know. You know why, Nick? Because Marge takes a photograph of the farmer's wife, puts it on the scarecrow, and sends the scarecrow to kill. And he does. 
thereby decapitating the farmer's wife on the steps of the inn as Mickey is walking out. She actually sees the severed head and the scarecrow standing in the door. A scream, the sound of footfall of Ryan and the innkeeper, but still, another body! The body count rises. Dun, dun, dun. Local law enforcement is called in. <laughs> and Ryan and Mickey explain <laughs> Ryan and Mickey try to explain to the sheriff what they saw, which Or what they didn't, didn't see. see. Right, right. And he doesn't like any of it. One bit. Well he doesn't like he doesn't like stories. He doesn't want them stories shared because uh, cause stories can spread in a small town. You read me? 10-4, good buddy. <laughs> Later that day, while dusting, the innkeeper is interviewed by the sheriff, who congratulates her on cleaning up all of the blood that's no longer there. Well, a little you bit of why? lemon juice. A little bit of lemon juice yeah. goes a long way. Lemon juice does take out blood. It's great. It does wonders, for sure. He shares Ryan and Mickey's crazy story about the scarecrow uh, as well as the local medical examiner's findings, and a piece of straw that you would use to stuff things, like a, like scarecrow. a scarecrow. Now, while in town antiquing, Mickey and Ryan get a whole bunch of exposition from <laughs> Old Coot. And I love Old Coot. He's, he's right. absolutely he's, happy he, to share the information about... All the farms in the area, how they, how most of them have gone belly up. Yeah, I actually but, looked up IMDb and they have the guy's name in there, and his name is effective old character actor. <laughs> He's very, very good. Yes. Anyway, he shares that the farmers' crops uh, locally have been extraordinary, but previous to the last couple of seasons, there was incredible scarcity. He also mentions that a boy and a man have recently simply vanished. Which leads Mickey and Ryan, of course, to investigate the home of the vanishing boy and man. While Scooby-Dooing it, Ryan searches the inside of the house, while Mickey searches the grounds. As Ryan snoops inside yet another farm all over the place, without any regard for anybody's personal stuff, he finds... Empty, chunky soup cans. While this is happening, good old innkeeper Marge is talking to... Grunting Log Splitter Boy. Yes. <laughs> you know, the one that's got a thing for Mickey? <clears throat> well, Marge suggests to... Grunting Log Splitter Boy. That he go and uh, tame that wild filly. Back at the farm, Ryan is accosted... <laughs> By a 12-year-old yeah. who almost actually kind of takes him down. Yeah, an angry, angry fatherless boy. He, uh, <laughs> very, no, I, I wouldn't call feral, but definitely in shock because he doesn't speak at all. And while Ryan is trying to communicate with the boy outside, Mickey finds not only the Rotten Tomatoes, no, not the website, but a scarecrow who is now grunting familiarly. Mm. Hmm. The Scarecrow chases Mickey uh, through the yards, around the house, and Sher luckily... Sheriff Dipshit shows up to gun down the grunting Scarecrow and saves the day. No no uh, warning shots, no, <laughs> no freeze, freeze, no, no put nothing. down your scythe. It's just blam, 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 Dead. blam. They then surmise that Nick has apparently been the Scarecrow killer. Not me. Stick a fork and bow on that one. That's right, not me. Where's my drinky? 
Because evidently this sheriff does have a drinking problem. <laughs> yeah, a huge one. The uh, recent disappearances and murders is all because of the mentally unstable Nick. He has killed his mother. He's evidently killed the other people that have gone missing in town. Mm -hmm. Case closed. Yeah, absolutely. Where the police are concerned. In fact, the police are in such a great mood that they just offer that the kid that obviously was privy to murder or disappearance or whatever should just go with Ryan and Mickey to kind of take care of them. We'll let the strangers in this town take care of the kid until we can locate the next kid. Yeah, you do what you do. That's cool. That's right. I'll be over here drinking. Thanks for being a babysitter. Awesome. Great work. Ryan provides the boy with some storytelling before sleepy time and then confers with Mickey to share that the baseball is actually one that he and his brother shared when his brother was killed by a truck after chasing the ball into yes. the street. And that's why Ryan has a, a connection to the boy. He reminds him of his dead brother. Mickey also shares that every year, apparently, three people go missing before the crop slash harvest. This year, there's only been two that have disappeared. Hmm, isn't that interesting and convenient for storytelling? As this scene unfolds, the innkeeper, Marge, is back probing through Mickey's purse slash giant backpack thing that she's got (laughs) and finds a picture of Mickey on her ID. The hunting music swells. Now, while Marge is going through personal objects, the kid finally opens up (laughs) and tells Mickey and Ryan exactly what he saw the night his father was murdered. And it was a mysterious figure in a rain slicker. Mm -hmm. A figure in a slicker is what I A figure in a slicker. Perfect. A figure in a slicker. And a scarecrow. With with the scythe. As Mickey prepares to leave, she discovers that her ID (gasps) is missing. They finally deduce that when someone's photo is pinned to the scarecrow, it's time for Scarecrow Murder. Yes. So they head to the sheriff's office so that Mickey can be well protected, quote, end quote. Mm-hmm, by the gum-chewing drunk fest that is our local sheriff. Leaving Mickey with the sheriff, Ryan and the kid head off to the farmer from earlier's barn to try and locate the Scarecrow. At this time, Marge is confronting the farmer... Who, who's really upset because Marge orchestrated not only the death of his wife, but the death of his son. Yeah. He actually draws down on her with yep. a shotgun. Double barrel, baby. Terrible. Who on earth would use that kind of terrible violence against someone that's unarmed? Oh, wait a second. She's now not unarmed. No, she's got she, the giant oh. hay hook <laughs> that they use to, 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 to lift the bales of hay. You know why they call them hay hooks? Why? Because when you see somebody holding on, you go, hey, a hook. <laughs> and then they murder you, just like she does just here like with the farmer. Just like she does to the farmer. Awesome. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, meanwhile, Ryan and the boy find a literal farm of scarecrow bodies in an adjacent barn in which they find the farmer hanging. Dead. Meanwhile, back at the sheriff's office, Mickey talks about secrets and chills And as the sheriff goes to get her a blanket, Mickey spies a long black rain slicker in the closet and locks the sheriff in the closet and heads back to the safety of the inn and innkeeper Marge. Little did Mickey know, though, that Marge put her slicker in the sheriff's closet to make everybody think that the sheriff was the mysterious figure. Bum, bum, bum. Lulling Mickey into a false sense of security, allowing Marge to lock her in her room 
with the scarecrow in her bed. Ryan discovers that the innkeeper wants all of the farms to foster along the scarecrow activity and their ongoing harvest bounty post-deaths. As Mickey is trying to keep herself away from the scythe of the scarecrow, Ryan and the kid arrive at the inn, along with the sheriff. With gun drawn, the sheriff is then stabbed in the back with a long pair of 18-inch sewing shears, and a scuffle ensues between the innkeeper ninja and Ryan. Yes, because she has threatened the boy, and it has triggered something in Ryan. No, you can't take him! Because of, you know, the dead brother subplot of this episode. Man, I got none of that. I can't wait and, to talk more about it And Ryan, Ryan does this nice cool like half ninja kick <laughs> to, to to march which which frees the kid and knocks the shears away and, and there's a tussle right right mickey escapes but is then found again by the scarecrow who is finally mounted by ryan no one knows how to stop the scarecrow and as they wonder how to stop his murderous activity they grab the photo from his appell and the scarecrow powers Yeah, I mean, it just kind of like deflates a little bit. Right, right. The innkeeper returns with yet another huge frickin' knife that they keep inside of farmed houses everywhere inside of of the tan town. It's amazing. And in the fray, knocks her picture off the wall that falls onto the now powered down scarecrow who, (gasps) now in appropriate fashion, kills her. Those are the rules. If there's a picture attached to the scarecrow, that's who he's going to kill. That's the rules. When it's all said and done, though, the boy lives, the sheriff lives. Ryan gives the boy this soul-touching signature baseball thing that no one cares about. And he and Mickey then drive home, but wonder what's happened to all the heads that have been taken. In any case, the artifact, in this case, the scarecrow, has been... Recovered! Ah, another excellent episode from the people that make Friday the 13th the series. Nick and I are going to run through three good things about the episode, but then three also that showed where the episode really could have used some polish. Production designs, location stuff, and more. One of the things Nick and I have been talking about since the series launched is that when they're able to go on site with anything to help flesh out the story and literally make a stage that is made of the things that they're talking about, it just pays off in spades. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the production value definitely goes up 100% when you're on location somewhere. It doesn't even really matter where you are. As long as you are on location somewhere, it's always going to add to the way things look. I totally agree with that. And this episode's no exception where we have that everything is painted this kind of manila yellow tan because it is an old farm town. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the stores, any one of the farmhouses, which was probably just one farmhouse, the the visited barns, wrecked areas, whatever. All of it had that veneer of this is an incredibly farmy town Mm. community all of it and it pays off so much that you just seeing it allows a a a flavor a waft of quality that you would not get if you try to do this on a stage someplace right it also helps with the storytelling Mm. because now you have the two city folk who are out of their fish out of water right they're looking for something that they know is dangerous and now they found themselves right smack dab in the middle 
of a murder mystery. Yeah. And they know time is running out before either A, everybody's killed off that needs to be killed off for the curse to continue. Yeah. Or B, their time is going to be up soon if they can't figure out who's doing all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderfully done. And again, total A plus on that. The process of the scarecrow and its workings. There were some hiccups in regard to pacing, and we'll get to later. We'll get to that. The the gist of the process of the scarecrow and how it all kind of works reminds me very much of a very popular Netflix film that's now out in the the Netflix sphere, which is Bird Box. And I won't spoil it for anybody, but what I think is missing from that film is exactly what you get here delivered in less than 45 minutes inside this episode, which is the actual mechanics of what's at work. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't beat you over the head with it at the beginning. They layer it out as you go with some relevatory light bulb moments in the middle, and then you progress the rest of the story with it. It's really well done. Again, the gist is that there is a scarecrow when... The cursed scarecrow has a photo pinned to its lapel. It will then seek out the person inside of the photograph and kill them. And essentially, you're you're shown that within the first two minutes of this episode. Yeah. So as long as you're paying attention, you figure that part out. And then as the story goes, as, as you learn more about this town and the people that are in it, you learn of the disappearances that have been happening over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And it seems to always be farmers that are that are just up and vanish. But then other farmers flourish when their crops, you know, it's yeah. time to reap the crops. Yeah. You start to see that, oh, not only is this a killer scarecrow, but there's also a an upside to it. You kill a certain amount of people and you will have a bountiful harvest. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you can't get that in the first few minutes of the episode. You, you just right. know, okay, picture pin it to the scarecrow scarecrow kills that person yeah I, great I, I, and that could have just been the episode yeah but they add to yeah the curse i also like the the underlying yes i will continue to be complicit in this murder because i'm benefiting from it mm-hmm. and then kind of the, the the that the farmer gets killed is he gets killed because his guilt he's overwrought with guilt well that and also his family's been murdered right but the, the overwrought the the general seed of being overwrought with guilt because of what he's been doing to have a bounty. In any case, the scarecrow works. The covering of tracks by the inn's keeper. Inside of storytelling, especially on the smaller HD screen, we might see someone trying to cover their tracks. Very often they're just being nefarious fast enough that they're moving fast enough that they don't ever have to go back and do anything to cover tracks. Right. Inside of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, we see Innskeeper Marge cover her tracks several ways. Yeah. And I really like that because it shows not only the, not only is she nefarious looking and acting and sounding, the activities that she does also foster that same feel and, and archetype for her character. And it's one of those stories that have been told over and over town with a secret Mm -hmm. now this one isn't as uh, big in scale it's not the whole town who has this secret but of course that story has been told i've seen i've seen it a dozen times in uh, twilight zone any kind of anthology series children always have yeah exactly Mm -hmm. this one it's 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 a little bit more local it's a handful of people Mm -hmm. it's a handful of people who have a secret yeah and this secret as long as you go by the rules 
you'll be okay. You'll be well taken care of. You will have bounty. You will make money. But you got to do so. You got to get your hands dirty for it. Now, on top of that, there's layers. There are layers here where Marge's motives are concerned. Mm -hmm. When Mickey and Ryan get to her inn and they see the picture of her and her husband, we learn, well, the husband's dead. He was a farmer. And it, and evidently being a farmer killed him. You know, it just, you know, working the land and, and not getting much out of it evidently killed him. So so she has, she has it in for farms and farmers. And then we learn later on that she has bought up all of the land that these farms have been on. So she's allowing people to continue to live on the farms and benefit from the good crops. But she's also killing them off so not only does she get her revenge but she still makes some yeah. money yeah so again very nefarious then on top of that when the strangers come to town and oh they've got this wild story of a killer scarecrow what does she do well let's take the mentally unstable character that we've already introduced in the story put him in a scarecrow outfit and shove him in front of the bus yeah exactly yeah, absolutely Boom. so yeah you know mm -hmm. if this were you know uh, rain slicker moment also another one rain, where yes. where if the the uninitiated maybe accidentally missed the first 15 minutes of the program person comes along you might actually think that the sheriff is involved mm -hmm. which speaks to the town with a secret piece and also the drinking gum chewing kind of listless i don't really care this is going to get wrapped up quick anyway and i'm not going to follow up oh by the way here's this orphaned boy why don't you strangers take care of him activity <laughs> and all of that balls up on itself to foster all of this into really great storytelling there's a lot inside this episode that really is good but we're wondering what you guys thought what did you think inside this episode of friday the 13th the series was good let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what you think. There's a lot more that's great inside this episode, but those are some good snapshots. Let's get to the parts that need polish. Pacing. Nick and I and every single one of my hosts that we've ever had inside of anything that is a property that we've initiated verbal judo on have always talked about pacing and how it will always trump just about everything. You can have a reasonably crappy story, and as long as it's paced well, there's a lot of good that comes out of even the worst storytelling process. Mm, yeah. Pacing can save a, a bad story, but pacing can also kill a good story yeah and i think that's exactly what happened here of the things inside of this episode that i think are the trump cards for something that definitely needed polish the pace inside of this i'm not looking for the volume increasing ongoing escalation of music until it's deafening where the bad guy comes out and chops your head off with a scythe mm. that's not what i'm talking about in no. regard to pacing what i'm talking about is an ebb and flow that fosters the storytelling and I think what happens inside of this episode, in fact, I think you can probably detect it inside of some of our retelling of this episode, is that there was lots <laughs> of, I'll call them speed bumps, inside of the storytelling process where one thing's happening and it's kind of escalating and then it just grabs the wheel and veers off into the embankment. It's, it's incredibly dangerous in storytelling, but it's super dangerous inside of 
televised storytelling. Yeah. Because if you don't, especially back then, 30 years ago, if you didn't grab the audience the first time they saw stuff and build an audience and endearment for your program, very often you were not given the chance of a season two of anything. Yeah. They would just look at the initial numbers and go, you know, this really wasn't a success and pull the plug on it. This is a, the concept of this episode is fantastic. The execution of it is also very, very good. The pacing of it, big thumbs down for me. The depiction of law enforcement. I always include things like this, and I know I'm, I'm incredibly biased, as I am now wearing my WhatCopsWatch.com t-shirt as we record this. Uh-huh. But the, the the gist is that the showcase... Shame, shame, shameful self-promotion, <laughs> Wilkerson. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> dot com. Yes, dot com. <laughs> the, the, the gist of what's showcased here for law enforcement, though, is that, one, the overall scope of what happens is way too fast. Nothing you see here is how it works inside of law enforcement. Zero. There is nothing here except maybe the uniform. That's about the only thing that you'll Despite see here. Despite that it's a small town, no, I st- I agree with you there. Okay. The second thing is drinking on the job in front of people? No. The, especially now. Can you imagine us just walking outside and we happen to see an on-duty police officer open up a flask and take a swig? No. Absolutely. Never. Okay. It, it, okay. it would never happen. I, I agree with you there. It would, it would never happen. Okay. The lackadaisical follow-up of anything that is seen or experienced here, even to the most layperson of law enforcement representative, it, it's, it's so outlandish that not only is there a history of people missing in the town for years that nobody, and particularly this guy that is drinking and gum-chewing and not paying attention to most of everything, doesn't realize that it comes in cycles— uh, okay, I, I might even give him that one because maybe he just doesn't care and there's no one that's ever run against him in the, the sheriff's election or something. I don't know. But just the lackadaisical, I don't really care what's going on here. And by the way, is it is it time for me to not be here? I've never met any of the law enforcement people that I've brought on for programming who are like that. And obviously, those aren't the ones that would come onto a program like mine. Well, well true. But I've, I've, I've never even heard stories of someone that just doesn't care or is that short-sighted enough that is the representative in a law, a law enforcement capacity, even in a town that small. Never well, heard of it. Uh, and, and that's great because that's reality. Yeah. We're talking about a show about cursed objects that kill people. Right. All right. So, A, tone it down just a little bit. It's okay. Sure. It'll be all right. Right. B, here's the thing. I was with you when we were first introduced with the sheriff. His his behavior with the whole, I don't like people telling stories and yeah. stories spread in towns and I don't want none of that. I'm like, Wow. What an asshole. Okay, so we're going to have the stereotypical small-town sheriff asshole. And that's what it is. It's a stereotype. Sure. It's a stereotype used, I mean, go back. Forever. It's been been used forever. Hell, it's still being used today. Mm -hmm. And this this was back in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. Small-town sheriffs are either dumb or they're assholes to city folk. Those are prerequisites for small-town sheriffs in storytelling. Sadly. I've met some small-town sheriffs. Well, they're not all assholes. Right. They're a little rough around the edges. Right. 
But in the very next scene, when the sheriff shows back up and talks to Marge about, well, you know, started thinking about that girl's story, talked to the coroner, and that's one real quick coroner, too. I mean, it's like the next day. So there must, be, there must be nothing <laughs> going on in town whatsoever. Murder, right. I'll be down, right down. Oh, boy. Medical examiner slash yeah. chief of the general store. Also who runs the donut shop. <laughs> right, right. Who also cleans the streets. Uh. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And is the priest. Yeah, he's he's got, well, it, the murder weapon is a sharp blade. A long, long, sharp, sharp blade. blade. Right. And the woman who was murdered was had had, had some hay in her hand. So at least he is actually doing some police work. So seeing that scene, I'm like, okay, well, he's not a brain-dead idiot small-town sheriff. He's actually trying to put in the work. Then, the next time we see the sheriff, there's no freeze stop or i'll shoot he just Guns blows away down. right <laughs> like it's the old west right he blows away the the right. suspect because well there could just be a a chance that this might be a a mystical magical creature come to life and i'm just going to empty my gun into it <laughs> turns out it's a it's a, a a mentally handicapped person who just went into a a blood rage so we're led to believe right now, of course, for a small-town sheriff, open and shut case. We have now found the mysterious killer. As to his drinking, it was a relaxed night. Nothing was going on. <laughs> Nothing was going on. And right. may, mayhap he was but, trying to get a little cozy uh, right. by with the, our red-headed heroine. Right. By the way, would you mind giving custody of this now parentless child uh, yeah, to I a have couple no of strangers driving like, through town no, with no credentials all right. at all? If, yeah, you, get, you, you, get, you strangers, yeah. to, to, watch to, this kid until I find the next kid. Okay, yes. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be sitting in my window. office doing nothing. Right. Okay, right, right. gotcha. Uh, and, and to jump back to your point, to just <laughs> stick a fork in this one, because I'm telling you, the stick, the the sticking the fork in this one is that all of the details that were shared, in particular, the detail about the murder weapon, the detail about what was found on the body of the deceased, all of that, none of that would be shared with anybody in the town because they're all suspect. It's a small town. We share everything with each other. Again, trope. Cliche stereotype. I, I, I realize that, but again, my because my, of the script, right? My my ever want and hunt <laughs> for there to be at least a glimmer of truth was truncated completely by the ability of this guy to drink in front of people and give the custody of a child that has no parents and nowhere to go to people he's never he's met. He's got more important things to do. He's crazy. He's tracking down moonshiners. Ryan's dead brother, the throwaway story of this episode. I love passion that is put into storytelling across all genres. Doesn't make any difference what genre it is when you can pack in that something means something to somebody and that they're going to try and share that inside of the storytelling. And in fact, really the ongoing storytelling, because the story that's told here is by one of our main characters. Yeah. So this won't be the first time that Dead Brothers mentioned, I'm assuming. It's going well, to be an arc. Let's hope. Let's hope yeah. that that keeps on being brought up. Right. It's supposed to be an arc. And what I never got until your retelling of this story, I never got that, oh, the reason that he feels that way about the ball and why it's being brought up is because of the feelings and thoughts that he has for the not-speaking parent-murdered kid. I don't. I, I, I understand the words coming out of your mouth, mm -hmm. 
But I don't. I got none of that from this episode. Well, because it was shoved in and it wasn't developed well. <laughs> well, good. Then we're on the same page. We, yeah, that we one, are on sure. the same page. This okay, is, this is a complete thing. This is a subplot that okay. is wasted yes, in this episode. Away. Completely throw away. If you take the, it away, it it does nothing to the overall storytelling of the episode. Right. This where the scarecrow is concerned. This reminds me very much, and maybe this is why they put it in. If they never readdress it, this is why they put it in. This is. Without Jack being in the episode, the end of this episode where he's sharing the story about his brother is that traditionally would be Jack and Ryan walking into the direction away from camera as the as you fade to black credits. Mm. We don't have any Jack inside this episode, so they had to have something somewhere. So if that's what they do, if they never mention the dead brother again, which is an incredibly endearing story, then jeers to the writing staff of Friday the 13th, the series, because if you make it an arc and this is the first, the first ebb as you begin to start learning about it and then it eventually goes somewhere, thumbs up. If not, then I'm not a fan. Yeah. The way things could have been worked better. I mean, the introduction to the subplot was fine. Hey, I found this ball, you know, would you it, like to play catch? What, what is she doing with a baseball? Well, she found it, and she knew it was, had to have been Ryan's, but she did not really re- realize the importance of the ball and why it was hidden the way that it was hidden. Mm. So that that makes Ryan all uppity. So okay, now we now we've discovered oh, there's something wrong with Ryan. We have to get we have to get that out of him. But we don't get back to that until over halfway through the episode when they're you know, the caretakers of this mute child. And he shares the story of how his brother died. It was their ball. He chased it into the street, got hit. Very sad story. But in relation to this kid, it kind of, it's, it's stretching. It's, it's a real stretch. It's, it's, well, it's also not tethered me to of that dead body, that yeah. dead brother I have. Yeah. I, and I don't, I got none of that. Yeah. I, and it, then the ending of him giving the ball to the kid is it, it's symbolically Ryan letting go of the past. Right. And all that. But we don't care. Right. Because it wasn't developed well <laughs> enough. Right. In fact, if nothing else, there's your there's your period on the end of a sentence that none of us care about. Yeah. If you're never going to mention the dead brother because now Ryan is letting go, well then I don't I really don't understand why they brought it up anyway. The fact that Ryan has a dead brother in his past is interesting enough and and the fact that it's been introduced adds on to the character development yeah and it seems like every episode whether whether it's a good episode or not we learn at least one little thing about at least one character that adds on to their character which is great for a story for an anthology series that has three main characters you have to keep on developing those characters and you have to keep on developing the relationships between those characters that's what makes this show different than any other anthology out there and sadly, this time, adding that piece of character development falls flat. Those are just a handful of the needing some polish moments of the episode. But we want to know what you thought needed some work in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click the link on the right, fill out the web form, and let us know what you think all great details and truly something that with just a tiny little bit of polish would have enhanced this episode of Friday the 13th Season 1, Episode 11 Scarecrow We'll be right back
Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to break out the Curious Goods. The Curious Goods is where Nick and I showcase an actor portrayal, something inside a production design, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what have you got? My curious good for this episode has got to be the Scarecrow. I list the Scarecrow as my curious good simply because it's an iconic image Mm -hmm. in horror. What do you think of Scarecrows, Nick? I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Scarecrows. Why is that? It's the their dead face. Really? It's 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 very similar to why people have problems with clowns. The reason why people have big problems with clowns is because it's a painted face. You're not seeing the real person's face. You're seeing what they want you to see. Hmm. I don't care about that. Clowns and I, we're, we're fine. If you're a killer clown, uh, bring it on because I'm a, I'm a killer <laughs> podcaster. Okay. Where scared You just wanted to make sure that everybody saw Nick's ninja arms That's when right. he was showcasing these killer I've got killer some s- sweet karate ninja moves. It's pronounced karate. <laughs> Now, where scarecrows are concerned, it's it's depending on how they're made, of course. But the more classical ones are the ones with it's just a dead face. Mm-hmm. Anything could be behind there. And it's in the shape of a man. Most of them are, to scale, at least a good 
five and a half feet tall mm-hmm. because you want the, the crows and the, the birds and everything else to think, well, that's There's a, a person. There. Right. It's a dude. Mm-hmm. So I have seen several different horror offerings that have done a good job depicting scarecrows and a bad job depicting scarecrows. When they're done well, scary as hell. Yeah. Because anything could be inside there. It might be magical and, you know, you might have to pin a picture to it and it'll come and kill you. Or it just might be some creepy dude dressed up like a scarecrow pretending to be a scarecrow just to get close enough to you to do nefarious things. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, I have I have a problem with scarecrows, especially when they're done well in horror. And this one, this one was all right. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've definitely seen worse. I've seen better, but I've definitely seen worse. The only knock that I would give it, even though it is my curious good, is at the very beginning of the episode, when Marge is pinning that first picture on there, and we're seeing, it looks like they're having a conversation. Marge is whispering to the scarecrow, and the scarecrow's mouth is kind of moving back and forth, so you think that they're having a silent conversation that we can't hear. But that never happens again, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm left wondering what, what the hell was that all about? But other than that, the design of the scarecrow, you know, the, the leathery face that kind of resembles a human face, the, the black jacket with the touch of, touch of color with the red, I guess it's a scarf, kind of, it's not necessarily a bow tie or a tie. It wasn't a tie, but it was more like a scarf. Mm-hmm. If you put that as the sun is going down and you see that image holding a giant scythe, yeah, that's, that's creepy as hell. And that's why it's my curious good. I think that's a great pick for this episode. I've thought a lot about this episode, and I, I there was just a ton of good inside this episode. And so to pick one thing is tough, but I think I'm going to have to give it to the innkeeper. Something inside this episode that struck me as we started this episode was she's incredibly attractive. And yeah, I've yeah. always found that, especially when you can tie in the master villain, regardless of whether it's male or female, and that you give them good looks instead of just, you know, giant hook nose and moles all over the place or whatever. Wow. The, the, the instant you make that there's a piece of allure to a villain, especially one as nefarious as this one. This, yeah. for, for those that think we're not painting the innkeeper evil enough, there's a lot of evil going on inside oh, of the yeah. innkeeper. It, it really is well done. Uh, but the, the way that she looks, the way that she carries herself there's this lilt of irish that's inside of a lot of when she intones uh, especially Mm. to ryan and mickey and again then just the nature of coddling evil magic slash whatever is cursed inside of this episode all of that is really well done across the board in regard to the innkeeper and that's why she's my curious good for this episode that's where we ask you guys, what did you think was a curious good inside of this episode? Let us know by going over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what was your curious good. Vocabulary. Visiting towns like the one depicted here always showcase an interesting set of vocabulary words. This episode is no exception. Not only was she my curious good inside this episode, but it brings open a word that you, at least for me, I don't remember ever hearing unless I'm uttering it. I've never met anybody that walks up to me and says, hey, 
how you doing? I'm John Smith. I'm the innskeeper of thus and such. So you've never met a real innskeeper? No, never. Not now even you, at a bed and breakfast. Now you've heard you've heard it in in film and television before, but you've mm, never met. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, even the people that we've gone to bed and breakfast, I've never met uh, Betty, who walks up and says, "Hello, I'm Betty the innkeeper. Do you have a picture of yourself by chance?" Oh, well. I've never had any of that. Huh. Again, I thought innkeeper was a very interesting word that is not going to disappear because I'm certain that there's always going to be innkeeper someplace. But especially inside of Americana, I don't right. think so. And that's why it struck me. It also just becomes a really great word to refer to people inside of a great retelling of a story. The second vocabulary word, again, from our friends over at visualthesaurus.com is... Scythe. A scythe is an incredibly interesting tool of farming but has always been made more popular and noteworthy by use inside of horror films. There's no question. Well, yeah, that, and it's also the, <laughs> evidently it's the number one accessory of uh, the image of death. Because, you know, anytime you see the classic Reaper, yeah. Reaper visage, it's the black cloak and the scythe. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. like his number one go-to tool. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's also spelled in incredibly interestingly. For those that are not aware, it's S-C-Y-T-H-E, yeah, scythe. That, that silent C gets, the, gets you every time in those spelling bees. Yeah, when you guys are looking for great vocabulary words, make sure that you check out a great partner over at visualthesaurus.com to find your great vocabulary words that aren't just the typical words. It's time to rate this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow. The scale works thusly. 10 is a masterpiece on top of the heap, along with bunches of decapitated heads that haven't yet been accounted for. 1 is at the bottom of the scale, definitive doldrums of dried blood and rotten tomatoes. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? This was a fun episode simply because we finally got out of our character's comfort zone. Right. You know, we're not in the city anymore. Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not in an urban environment. You know, you can't call for help because there's a payphone on every corner they're out in the middle of nowhere and they think everything's going to be oh yeah small towns oh everybody's so friendly no it's going to be okay and they immediately they get out there and it's just oh this place is weird yeah sadly even though you've got all the great detective work by mickey and ryan you've got the great nefarious plans by marge the pacing does give you a couple of hiccup points that could, if you allow it, totally derail you from the storytelling. Mm -hmm. As long as you push forward, I think there is there's just enough good in this episode to give it a solid seven rating. Seven for this episode is a good number. I think, as you said, there's a lot of great positives. There are, however, some impactful negatives. I'm going to have to step my number down from yours to a six. 
Oh, that damn local law enforcement. I'm not entirely sure, but hey, <laughs> can I drink in front of you publicly while in uniform and give away children to people that have never met them? He and was awesome. I don't know duty. them and awesome. Sure, how about it? <laughs> That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season one, episode 11, Scarecrow. Let us know what you think again by going over to our website. That's curiousgoodspodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right hand side, fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Look, no one likes being scared, but if you've got to use a scarecrow to scare people, then you've got to go and watch this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, podcasting ninja. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Do you want to start or do you want me to? Uh, I will start. Okay. In fact, you're going to probably have to break in because otherwise I'll just tell the whole story. That's that's <laughs> you being facetious. No, I'm not shitting you. Really? You're going to tell the whole story? I could if you just shut the f*** up. But you wouldn't tell the story <laughs> right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So why don't you break in when I'm wrong? That'd be awesome. Nick, I hear the rustle of leaves. They fall into the ground in this... What? I'm I'm trying to hear the rustle of the leaves. Oh. <laughs> works and works in, in visual, not so much in the audio. But if I put in rustling of leaves oh. in the actual edit, nice. Ha ha! Ho ho! You gotta it's think. It's audio drama. You're only thinking three dimensionally, That's Marty. Right. <laughs>